Hello, Texans, and welcome to the show that gets you in touch with your Houston Texans, in this case on the road, as you know, at the Greenbrier in West Virginia for training camp 2018, 17th season of Texans football. I'm Mark Vandermeer with John Harris, and Johnny, here we go from Butler Cabin, our own version of that above the 18th green, and you could see that the rain's been falling today, but it's over now for the time being, and the team should be dry for the rest of the way, you think? Yeah, it should be at least at least Saturday and Sunday it should be dry. It looks nice. The weather says it's supposed to be nice. Yeah. we. It's, I don't want to say inconsistent, but my little weather app will tell me it's going to rain all day, mm-hmm. and then it won't. And then it'll tell me, oh, 30% chance, and then it rained all day. Yeah. And you can see it, and obviously you just said we're right above the 18th hole. The little creek or river or whatever this little body of water is Mm -hmm. we've looked at that for how many days that we've been in here yeah that has not been that high at all no it's right right at the rim i mean any more rain you get the feeling it would have spilled over which it did a couple of years ago when they had their massive flood here and you know that nowhere in the united states of america is totally safe from flooding if you get enough rain clouds or yep. rain systems or whatever sitting over a certain area, it's going to suffer, and they suffered big time here. So I'm glad for their sake and for everybody who's staying here, for our sake, that uh, it cleared out of here for now. Yeah, and that was exactly what it was. It was a system that was moving through the northeast, but it was moving so slowly, and we were kind of the, the tail end of it. Mm-hmm. So we were getting it, and hopefully my wife who's driving back to North Carolina today isn't getting it too badly. They were – Kind of timing-wise, they might have been okay. They might have hit it a little bit before they left here, but hopefully well, I be, think they're fine. I looked at the should map. Should be okay. Yeah. It was clearing out of here to the east, and I think everything's <laughs> good. But there's been so much water as I was driving over here to the Greenbrier. I saw a beaver on the side of the road. It's the one animal. There's been so many different animals we've seen. I've not seen a beaver. I saw a beaver, and I went, well, I guess he doesn't really know where to go at this point. Yeah. I don't know. His, his home's been washed. I didn't know what yeah. to think, but I saw a beaver on the side of the road. He just looked confused, and I felt really bad for He's him. He's contacting FEMA at the moment, perhaps. So here we are doing another program. This is the last one of the week, and we'll be back on Monday morning, 8 to 10 a.m., three more shows in the morning from the Greenbrier. Then the team flies Wednesday to Kansas City for the opener in the preseason opener to uh, Arrowhead Stadium. Kansas City Chiefs Thursday night, 7 o'clock kick. We will be live with that broadcast. So let's get into some stuff here, John, as the team had a pretty spirited practice today. I thought the guys, it looked like they really enjoyed themselves, never mind the splashing afterwards. Right, right. But even during practice, it looked very upbeat, and it was in a driving rain. Well, you get into a rhythm during practice, and it's stretch, individual, special teams, seven-on-seven, team, and then some sort of scrimmage at the end. I mean, you get in that rhythm. It's like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then you get a day like today, and it's like da-da-da. What? Wait a second. What are we doing? They were doing every situation known to mankind. They were doing onside kick situations. They were doing fourth down in the red zone. You're down by four last play of the game situations. They were doing Hail Mary situations. They, I saw them at some point do the Cal Stanford band play, or they were working on that. They worked on everything today, and I thought it was a really good opportunity to do it. In a day where it's raining, you're going to have to – at some point you're going to face weather. You hope you don't, but right. you're going to face weather. I certainly hope we don't because then it's miserable for me. But – you got, you're going to have to do it at some point. Yeah, nine of the games are inside, but seven, there's a possibility of rain, snow, especially games late in December in New York and Philadelphia. So you're going to have to deal with it. And I thought the guys, because they were thrown a little bit different bone, if you will, they were thrown something a little bit different. And whenever that happens, as a player, you go, oh, okay, all right, so what is it? Go- all right, 
Yeah. Okay. Fourth. So you you're you're more in tune to it because now it's a little bit it's a little bit new, and he's done that every single year, and I love it. I think working on situations, handling those situations, knowing how to handle them when you see them, knowing what you want to do, I think is hugely important. Yeah, not your normal day. So that does kind of get your ears perked up, gets the antenna up, and they were ready to go. Now, Whitney Merciless and D.P. Sidhu had a conversation after practice. It was pretty funny as Whitney was one of the guys that I caught on my Twitter feed doing a little post-practice splashing. Oh, yeah. They were doing the belly (laughs) slides. And, man, we have a lot of good stuff, HoustonTexans.com or any social media platform. Uh, follow the Texans and see some of the splashing. We put together a video with ballet music. It's and great. It's fun to watch. It, you know, the guys were – you realize that they're just boys having Re- fun. really are. Have your, have your boys ever gone on a slip and slide? Yeah, they've done the slip and slide okay. thing. Right. Sure. I was just making I mean, sure because no, I mentioned thing. that in the Harris Hurry Up today, the slip and slide, and I went, wait a second, is that a dated reference? No, that's a thing. That's okay, a thing. I was just making Everybody's sure. Everybody's done that, so I think you're good there. Okay, the slip and slide is the is the best thing ever. ever. We used to play, I don't know if you played this game growing up, Mark, we used to play a game called Pickle where you'd have, you'd have it was essentially a baseball game, but you'd have one guy on one side, one guy on the other, and then you'd have a runner who would get in the pickle, and you would try and get the guy out. Uh-huh. But we used to play ours with a slip and slide. So, of course, we didn't have anything to hold slip and slide down, so we used bricks. And of course, we <laughs> slid into the bricks and got hurt off. Got that cuts way. and all sorts of bruises. But I, but I wondered about using that. Like, our kids, the kids do still do slip and slides because if they don't, that's an oh, awful no, they do. waste. But I'll tell you what, a lot of kids don't do. They've never played in the mud before oh. because the parents won't let them, or it just doesn't happen. I remember coaching a flag football game where it got really muddy, and my guys were like, they were looking like, what is this substance? <laughs> This substance on my skin, oh. and they were trying to stay clean. I said, listen, guys, this is called mud, and we're playing the in the best. rain today, and guess what? Just embrace it, give into it, and have fun with it, and believe me, you will play great. Just pretend that you're really enjoying it. It's not there, and they had the time of their lives. I gave them permission to enjoy the mud. Well, yeah. You know, but I got a little – I got a five-year-old over here, and he's sitting a couple of tables away. I don't want to talk too loudly about this because otherwise he'll come right over and participate <laughs> in the program. But he he was in the rocks and the dirt and the mud today. I mean, yeah. he, everybody else is huddled under the tent. Yeah. He's over there outside he, just enjoying it, he was soaked. It was great to see that. I looked up at some point, and I was like, where's Liam? Like, where is he? And he's just out just – Playing in the grass and the mud and the dirt. The best time I ever had playing football was any time that you played in mud. And I remember one time in high school, I think we were playing at Wharton, and it rained, it stopped. So the, the field was not completely soaked, but in certain spots it was. And I remember one time I went to go make a crackback block on a run. I kind of got through the, the – I was at receiver, and everybody had taken off, and all of a sudden the run kind of comes to me, and I look in this little – linebackers like trying to catch our running back and I popped him and so as I did I went sliding on the sideline like through mud like my whole jersey just had mud on it It was like that's the best feeling it was the best feeling to just be covered in mud and dirt I loved it yeah I I loved it I can totally see why these guys did today now they weren't in pads the their the plan yesterday was to be in pads Mm -hmm. and then of course the threat of rain they shortened the practice Today was actually a long practice. 
It was a it was. much longer practice than I anticipated, especially with all the rain. They they went for a good. Once two it hours. really started coming down, I thought, okay, that'll probably end it soon. And it no, no. O'Brien always does that when you think he's going to do a short one, like we talked about it this morning. The first yep. one back in Houston last year thought it was going to be a shorty. No, he went about two, two and a half. So you just never know. All right, we're going to do the fifty-three man roster as promised. Yes, and we're going to do it in the most radio-friendly way because this is uh, obviously not the most. Not the most radio-friendly kind of talk, you know, when you're talking numbers and players. But we will mention names, positions, and try to keep it as understandable as possible as you are driving wherever you are going right now. Okay, so you have a 53-man roster, and let's just take the three specialists off the board right, right. now and go down to 50 because you have John Weeks as the long snapper, Shane Leckler as the putter, and Kaimi Fairbairn as your – how about that? I screwed up the last name. I was like, Fairbairn. Fairbairn. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I could say his 36-letter first name, yeah. no problem, but I won't do it right now. So you have three specialists, so now you have 50. So it's not really 25 offense, 25 defense. Sometimes it's 24, 26, whatever. But see where you disagree with me, okay? okay. We're going to go with the three quarterbacks, and I'm going to say I have a hunch Deshaun Watson's making the team, followed by Brandon Whedon, and I'm going to go Joe Webb as my third quarterback. I think so, and I think those three do make the team. Okay. Here are my wide receivers, and I have six, count them, six wide receivers. Of course, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. Yes. And Kiki QT, who they drafted in the fourth round, and Bruce Ellington. I think that Ellington, because you could say that Ellington and QT play a similar style, position, whatever, Mm -hmm. but to me, when I ask myself, who are my top four receivers, Ellington is on is in there. Yes. He's one of my top four receivers, so I'm going to have him on the football team. Yep. So he makes it. Okay. And then I got two more spots, and I'm going to give one to Sammy Coates because he's looked good, and he can play special teams a variety of ways. He can return. He can run as a gunner or whatever. And then I'm going to have Braxton Miller in a bit of an upset. He's a bubble player here, Johnny, but I'm going to have him make it as the sixth receiver. And I know there's some other talented players like DeAndre White and Vincent Smith, but I'm going to go with Braxton Miller as my sixth. Well, I don't want to be a buzzkill, and I would love to be able to argue with you five versus six, but I have the same six. Okay. I have the exact same six. And to your point about Braxton, you get in trouble doing this sometimes, Mm -hmm. but then there are some times where – you just don't want to give up on a guy. You know he can play. You know you know it's there. You saw it. You've seen it. You know he can do it. It's just a matter of will the light come on in time and will his body – I mean, last year there were times uh, – or in 20 – as a rookie, his body got banged up at the end of the year just when it looked like he might be making a push to get more playing time, to get more targets right after the Mexico City game, uh, go to Green Bay at some point, and then he gets hurt. Yep. And then doesn't play. And then last year, he sort of got stuck behind some guys, especially when Bruce was kind of making his way uh, from the Greenbrier all the way. Bruce Ellington was making some plays. Braxton was sort of odd man out. He just wasn't getting targets. He wasn't getting the football. And then at the end of the year, I thought, well, maybe he's going to. And then he got hurt in that Tennessee game. And then they come back. So there's a part of me with Braxton that just feels like he's too good a football player. I've seen it. I know he can do this. Now he's just got to become a really good wide receiver. Yep. We know he's a football player. Now he's got to be wide receiver. And I just think, I think it's there. So I'm going with six. So I'm right there with you. Okay, tight ends. Now, oh, boy. Yeah, this is where it gets tough immediately because we talked about the wild card on the offense. And it's not really a wild card, but it's almost like a death and taxes thing with Jay Prosh making this roster. There's no other fullback here. If they want to run a fullback, there's no tight end who's really going to do what Prosh does as a uh-huh. fullback. So – 
somebody to assume that H-back tight end type role. So I'm going to have Prosh make the football team. That means I have 25 offensive players now. And 25 means either i got to drop a wide receiver or a tight end, and that's what I have done, Johnny. I've dropped a tight end. So I'm going to go with Ryan Griffin and the two draft picks. Yep. I'm going to go with Jordan Akins and Jordan Thomas. And there's some other intriguing prospects there. You know, we leave Steven Anderson out of this mix right now for now, and I like Steven a lot as a receiver. Also, Matt Lengel, who's done some things in this camp. And they've had no look at Giovanni Robinson in training camp because he's on pup. Yeah, I I do have four tight ends. Now, when I originally did this, I forgot to account for Jay Prosh. Mm-hmm. So there's it's interesting as I look at this, if I'm thinking about just – I hate calling them skilled players, but the guys who catch the ball, running backs, tiny, tight ends, wide receivers. I feel like the final spots on that side may come down to, number one, Deontay Foreman and when can he come back. Because what that does is it if you have Foreman coming back, then you've got Miller, Foreman, Blue, and Prosh. And I think you probably feel good about that. But Tremaine Pope has done a lot of really good things. So I think Pope, Braxton, and Steven Anderson – in preseason games, those guys should get plenty of targets and plenty of opportunities. Of those, you're probably keeping two, maybe not mm. three. I think you're probably going to keep two. So I would love to keep all three. Now, my scenario, I kept all three, but that was because I didn't, I didn't uh, account for Prosh. And so now okay. I've got to have one go, and it probably would be one of those two, well, Anderson or Braxton. And I hate that because Steven's been very productive, but, man, it's hard to deny those two tight ends, the, the two rookie tight ends. They've been so very good. How many offensive linemen did you keep? No, I kept nine. My starting five is written in with pretty solid ink here with Julian Davenport at left tackle, Chantrell Henderson at right tackle. Mm-hmm. I've got Nick Martin at center, of course, Zach Fulton, and Senio Calamete are the guards. Yes. Now, it gets very interesting after this. Yeah, Because Greg Mance is a lock to make the team. You're saying Mance is a lock. He's a lock okay. to make the team. All right. After I go six deep. There's nobody else who I consider a lock. I think Quesenberry has a really good shot to make this team. Right? I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you on that. Here, you do have to have a third tackle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, who, who is my third tackle at this point? Right, because I have Martinez Rankin making the roster because he's going to is make he, the roster. Is he going to get healthy, though? But is, yeah, right. Is, is he going to be, be healthy a pup or something like that? Right, exactly. He hasn't so, done anything. So there, therein, lies, therein lies the rub. You keep three tackles. So I have four tackles right now, mm-hmm. and Rankin's one of them. So let's take Rankin out of this mix. Yeah. So let's say that I keep Chantrell and keep Julian, and I've got Lamb as the other tackle. I, I think Kyle Fuller has come a long way this training camp. I think it's going to be very hard to deny him. He can play center. He can play guard. He can play that sixth offensive line position. And at that point, I probably would have Quesenberry because I know that that gives me a lot more interior offensive linemen, but I know Fuller can play a number of spots. I know Mance can play both guard and center. I know Quisenberry can play center and he's, or I'm sorry, guard, and he's tried center, but he's also played tackle. People asked, and I think you've asked me, could he go out and play tackle? He could. Mm-hmm. He could. In a pinch, I think he could. That would be the guy I would keep. If I'm sticking with nine offensive linemen and I'm not counting Rankin, I think Quisenberry would be the next one I would keep. All right, we're going to continue with this. Running backs, we'll get to the defense. My gosh, we have a lot of work to do on this 53-man roster, plus Brian Gain reloaded here on Texans All Access.
Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in West Virginia. The Greenbrier, where the Texans are doing training camp. And they'll leave here on Wednesday for Kansas City for their preseason opener. And we were doing the 53-man roster stuff. And I know it kind of gets hard to follow. We went long on that last segment talking about offensive line. And let's just stick with nine, okay? Let's just stick with nine, Johnny. Okay. And we'll move on to running backs. You had three. I had four. I, well, I, well Assuming Deontay Foreman's opening on Pup. Yeah. If he's opening on Pup, then I have four. I have Miller- Blue, Pope, Prosh. Now, the Prosh is counted in that group. See, yeah. I had four straight running backs, okay. and then Prosh okay. as the fullback. Okay. And then that was it. That was all she wrote. I kept 10 offensive linemen for some reason. But I don't I, – see, that's the thing. With offensive linemen, I don't mind keeping – just me. I don't, I don't mind keeping an extra offensive lineman. But the thing is, I'm probably – if you're, if you're going to take – a well-performing lineman or a guy you probably can trust, you're probably going to take a guy. You're probably going to take a guy on the inside mm-hmm. because that's really where you have a lot more depth at tackle. Now, here's a guy that throws kind of a, I don't want to say monkey wrench into things, but as I during the break I thought about this. Chad Slade has been lined up at tackle this entire. That's time. what I was thinking about. And he I has, had him making it as my tenth guy. And he's played guard. Mm-hmm. He started the last. I want to say the last two games. He started at guard against the Steelers and the Colts next to Julian Davenport. So he's played guard. He's been out there working at tackle. I I feel like Kendall Lamb may have a little bit more natural ability, but Chad Slade has probably outperformed him up until training camp. I've seen a lot of improvement with Kendall Lamb. I will say that. But the proof's in the pudding. You're not going to know that until you see him in action mm-hmm. up against the Chiefs in preseason, see him against the Rams and against the 49ers, etc. So I think – that battle of Lamb, Quisenberry, Slade to end up getting the ninth and or tenth spot, that's that's gonna be Maybe tough. Maybe we're overcomplicating it. Your your reserves are Lamb, Slade, Fuller, Mance, Quisenberry, if you went with ten. That's five behind the starting five. That you know what? That's probably and then when you get ranking back, then you make a decision between yeah. Slade, Lamb, Quisenberry. You could also say, well, I'll go nine and just take a chance that somebody signs one of these guys because I want the extra spot for a tight end who I think will get signed by somebody else. Absolutely. I'm not so sure about that, but we'll find out. All right, let's go defense here. D-line I think is pretty darn straightforward. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm missing something here, but your front three are obviously Watt, Reader, and either Covington or Dunny, but let's just go Watt, Reader, Covington. Okay, Watt, Reader, Covington, okay. Then I got DJ Dunny making the team for sure. Yep. I still have Carlos Watkins on the team for sure. Okay. And then I have Joel Heath. And who am I missing here? So where did you – see, I put Clowney with the D-line. Oh, you did. So, see, I put Clowney with the linebackers, yeah. and I went with nine. Okay. I went with I went with six D-linemen. And this this is where it got, it got tough because you got Watt – Watt Clowney, Reeder, Covington, Heath, Dunn. And, and I was like, wait, I don't have a spot for Carlos Watkins. And yep. I'm like, he's got to have a spot, right? He's got to have a spot. I think he's got to have a spot. Okay. Well, let's go to the next line, outside linebackers, because I would imagine mm-hmm. how many outside linebackers do you have? I have five. Okay. Because makes- these guys can play special teams. I've got Whitney and Clowney and, and Scarlett, obviously. Then i got the two draft choices, Duke Ejiofor and Peter Kalambayi. That's exactly what I have. I, okay. have those, I have those same guys. So so you had yeah, so you had two, four, six D linemen, mm-hmm. and you had five. So 11, basically 11 between the two. two yeah, and those four, front six, seven eight, positions, i got 11 guys to play the front seven. Okay. 
All right. All right. That, well, not the front seven. I'm sorry. The uh, the front five, if you will. I got 11 right. guys to play the front five. Now I have the inside backers, and we talked about this during a show this week where it's not voluminous what you've got at inside linebacker depth-wise. This is not one of those years where it's like, oh, a Max Bulla is going to rise up right. from nowhere and make the team. It's not going to happen this year because, you know, Dylan Cole and Brian Peters are your reserves, and in front there's no question about – you have Bernardrick McKinney and Zach Cunningham to hold it down. So those are my four, and I don't think there's any doubt about that at this point unless they're thinking of something that we're not. Yeah, Cunningham, McKinney, Cole Peters. I think that's, that's straightforward. The only, the only other thing I could see mm-hmm. in talking with Brian Gain about the outside linebackers, mentioning Peter Kellenbaye because, and I've said this numerous times, Kellenbaye was used to do a lot of different things for Stanford. Now, he never played inside. He always played outside. Right. But – because he could drop, could you teach Peter Kalambayi to cover running backs out of the backfield? You, could you teach Peter Kalambayi to play inside? Just yep. so he had that as part of his repertoire. Have but, they done it here? Because if it's not happening here, I don't have a great right. feeling it about it. Happen? You know, a veteran or a guy with a little bit more experience, I could see it. Although he's super sharp, too. Yeah. You know, one of the first things when they paraded all the rookies out for interviews after they got picked – Talking with him, he's like, yeah, I've worked a system that's similar to this. I feel like I'm going to pick it up. Well, he's such a real down-to-earth, smart guy. You feel like he's going to pick it up fast, whatever they throw at him. Yeah, no doubt. So we're we're pretty set. The only thing that we're different on defensively mm-hmm. is you have Watkins, and at this point, I don't. Wow. But let's continue to the defense. Let's go to the secondary. Let's go to the secondary This is where it gets a little interesting. It gets very interesting. Corners, I have five. All right. I've got Jonathan Joseph, Kevin Johnson, Aaron Colvin, of course. Then, of course, Johnson Batamosi, our unsung hero of training camp. And D. Virgin makes the team in my world at cornerback. D. Virgin's going to make it. He'll get signed off the practice squad. Or if you go ahead and cut him, risking that you can sneak him onto the practice squad, I don't think it's happening this year. I think he gets snabbed, nabbed, snapped up. I've got Jermaine Kelly, draft pick. Mm. And I was looking for another corner, but he's been banged up. So, I, you know, one of the things, and I, and I hate to say it this way, but, you know, a guy gets banged up during training camp. And, you know, Jermaine came back for a day or two and then got dinged up and did not finish practice, I don't believe, on yesterday. So sometimes an injury to a rookie ends up not being a horrible thing because right. you don't have to – cut him you just you can get him onto IR and it's a red shirt you get a chance to work he gets to go through all the meetings and do all that kind of stuff but he's not gonna practice he just gets the rehab so sometimes that ends up working out but I put Kelly I think you can make it definitely a case for D Virgin but I have five corners I think that's the biggest thing we know the first three I think the first four I think Batamosi is absolutely going to be there uh, because you need a fourth corner and I probably would trust him because he's got experience doing that and then the fifth one ends up being D Virgin uh, Jermaine Kelly or Shashere, I think, and and you probably can get Shashere and Kelly through waivers to get them over to, to practice squad. So maybe it is divergent. I think that maybe makes a little bit of sense. And a lot of this is going to depend on how they do in those joint practices with no the Forty Niners yep. and the first two preseason games. We'll see. Well, the first, I mean, all of them really. Yep. They don't have to make those cuts until the last one. Safety. Obviously, I think the Honey Badger, pretty safe to say, is going to make the squad. Pretty safe. Along with Justin Reed and yep. Kareem Jackson, and I'll throw in Corey Moore as my fourth safety, and I'm done at safety. I've got the same four. Mm-hmm. Tyron, Justin, Kareem, 
Corey. Now, Curtis Drummond is one of those last one out kind of Joe Lenardi bracketology guys. And I think that he's done pretty well based on what Bill O'Brien said. He mentioned him by name, and so did Brian Gain. Well, Gain's got to evaluate everybody virtually for us. But Bill O'Brien was sort of saying, don't forget about Curtis Drummond. So I'm not so sure what that means for Drummond, the former Michigan State defensive back. But he's hanging around here and making plays, so we'll see if uh, he squeezes himself in somehow. Well, that's 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 the thing. When it comes down to roster spots, some, a lot of times it ends up being a battle between a safety and a receiver, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem to make sense, but it sort of does because are you going to get are you going to get? And I think of uh, I think of oh, who am I? Th- I just completely lost track of who I was thinking of. Uh, Jalen Strong. Jalen was not a guy that played a lot of special teams. Mm-hmm. And so are you going to keep Jalen as your fourth receiver if he doesn't end up helping you a lot on special teams? Is that the right way to go versus, hey, we might keep a fifth safety, but we know that fifth safety is going to help us on special teams. So a lot of times the, the position battles, and you know this, are between a safety and a wide receiver. Or they end up being between a corner and a tight end. And it's sometimes the the differentiator at that point, it becomes double team or uh, become special teams. Now, here's what I did. After I did all that, I'm like, which guys do I not have included? Now, I have in my 53, I have Deontay Foreman and Martinez Rankin, but I didn't have Prosh. So I have one more spot. Mm-hmm. And these are the list of players that I do not have a spot for. Okay, and I think I know who it's going to be. All right. But here's who I do not have Let's right give now. somebody a job today. Okay, let's give them a job. No, no particular order or position. Tyler okay. Irvin. Mm-hmm. Ufoma Kamalu. Ooh. He's Trust, handy. Tristan Deku. I have no idea how to evaluate him. I've seen him out there with the threes, and uh, yeah. I, I just don't know. I think it's got to be game action. I mean, he's a transition yeah. to safety, so it, I think that's tough. Um, I do, I've written Andre Hal down, but I, I don't I, – I think – I hate to say it. I have Divergent written down, but I really think it becomes a Divergent Jermaine Kelly kind of comparison there yeah, in the corner. Sure. Here's a guy that I would absolutely hate, hate to lose. But I. Latroy Lewis. I know. He's been one of those players that people talk about, coaches talk about. I, I love what he gives you. He's easy to notice. And see, this is what happened in Oakland last year. He had a really good training camp with Oakland coming out of Tennessee. I loved him coming out of Tennessee. And I'm and I'm seeing him have some really good time with Oakland, but I'm thinking, well, man, you know, they got Bruce Irvin, they got Khalil Mack, and they've got a couple other guys that they drafted a little bit higher, Shalit Calhoun. He's not going to have a spot, and that's exactly what happened. He doesn't have a spot. He ends up here in Houston. He got on a 53. Actually, got on the game day roster at the end of last year. I think he's got some really good football in it. I would hate to lose him, but if I carry him, here's the next guy I don't have on the roster okay. at this point is Carlos Watkins. And I don't want to lose Watkins. I don't think you can afford to I, lose Watkins. I, I'm with you. Exactly. And you don't have Kamalu either, do I? Here's another one. And my last one's Curtis Drummond. So, wait, did you have four tight ends? You so did I have four have, tight ends. You did have four tight ends. I have four tight and ends. And you had Steven Anderson making it. I had Steven Anderson making See, it. See, I had Steven Anderson on the bubble. And to me, that's an interesting one. All right, if you had to pick a tight end to make this squad not named Anderson or the draft choices or Ryan Griffin, who would you pick? Lengel? Between, I think Lengel. I think Lengel makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, here's to your point. You mentioned this earlier in the last segment talking about Prosh at fullback. And I think with what they want to do, having Prosh makes a ton of sense. And you said it. Do they have a tight end that could give you some of the stuff that Prosh gave you? 
CJ CJ could do some of that. CJ Fedorovic could do some of that. Not as much. Do they need could to Lengel. do? Could Lengel? Uh, he could do some of it. He could at least pretend to do some of it. Right. But let me ask you this, Johnny: How much Prosh are they going yeah. to use in an offense with Deshaun Watson? Oh, I think you're. I think you're dead on. I. Uh, that's the thing. I think you always want to have that short yardage element, but. At what cost? And you're showing your hand. Right. You know what I mean? How much do I really want to show my hand? Right. How much am I going to line up like, all right, let's go. We're going jumbo package. We're going to pound it in. With Watson, don't I always want to spread them out? Like, why wouldn't I always want to spread them out? This is one of those things I don't understand about football. And, you know, everyone talks about the Patriots game. I was in the sponsor tent today. People were still asking me about the Patriots game late in the game. And I've said it many times. I had no problem going for a field goal right there and making the Patriots go for right. the touchdown. I know it didn't work out, but I had no problem with that. But on third down, there they are running the ball, and everybody's bunched in so tight. Yeah. The Patriots defense, the Houston offense, it's, I mean, it's going to be hard to find a hole. Yeah. Like you say, a lot of trash there. With Watson, you know, maybe now, like with the full offseason to think about it, maybe they always spread everybody out, at least right. to a degree, even in those situations, because keep everybody off balance. And I trust Watson to throw it in a short yardage situation. Well, here's the thing. What you would run with a fullback, I think you could do with the tight ends. You know, you run split flow zone, like you run a you run a zone play. Say you run a zone play to the right, mm-hmm. and one of the things you know, I remember when Gary ran this, they would run Owen back across the formation. So they would zone yeah. block to the right, and then Owen would go back across the formation. He would kick out. They called split zone. So the split in the zone. Well, that's a I don't say it's not a, it's not a power play, obviously, but it's a type of play that you don't need a fullback to do that. Yep. Now, there are ways you can use a fullback. So the question becomes, do you want a fullback that, you know, Jay's pretty reliable. You're going to be able to rely on him, and you know he's going to help you on special teams. But how much are you going to use him? And to your point, he's already a 30%, 35% guy in an offense with Savage or Brock right. or whoever. So yeah. how much does that number become even 10%, more limited? 15 to 20 right. maybe. And that, so, is there a player, like we're going over these guys who aren't making our rosters with the number crunch we have. Right. Maybe they're in a room saying, well, look, at least we get another spot for so-and-so who right. they might deem more valuable. That's one of the things that will be interesting to follow. Next, let's follow what Brian Gain had to say about linebackers today and special teams. Obviously very important stuff with the general manager reloaded next on Texans All Access. We've been doing this just about every night on Texans All Access here from the Greenbrier with our training camp programming, and that's Brian Gain reloaded. We had our final visit with the general manager this morning of camp because, hey, he's got work to do. We went over all the position groups. Today was linebackers and special teams, and we started off the conversation talking about how hard it was raining. I mean, a huge storm system came through driving rain for most of practice. In fact, before practice, the field looked almost unplayable, if you will, but they squeegeed it off. They got the blowers out. You'll hear some of those during this interview, and Brian Game made it very clear that practice was a go. But we still have a job to do. We still have work to get done. And in a way, uh, you know, we, we do have to prepare for the elements during the season. So on a rainy, rainy day like this, we just we got to practice smart and, and be efficient. But there may be a time and place where we have to deal with something as such. So I think it, it would be a, a good experience for us to 
have to go through that today. Yeah, don't have to dunk the balls in water. You can just leave the ball out, and it'll have enough water, as they used to say about Peyton Manning. But we're talking about linebackers today and a guy that leads the inside linebackers. We'll start there as Bernardrick McKinney, a guy that's been around here for a few years. What are your thoughts about what he brings to the defense? A lot of people said with no Brian Cushing, he's the leader. He feels like he's been the leader here for a few years. What about BMAC this year? Highly productive player. Uh, goes back to the, the prototypical standards, too, and the types of players that we want. Large man, six foot four, 255 pounds. He runs well. He can play three downs. Uh, ready for a leadership role. And, there's, you know, naturally with, with Brian uh, Cushing no longer here, you know, we're, we're hoping that he can assert himself in that regard, and we see that so far. Um, so he can play the run. He can play coverage. The other thing about him is he's a pretty good blitzer. Um, other thing I've been impress- impressed with with Bernardrick is his communication and, and his leadership and taking some young guys under his wing, uh, directing traffic. You see him talking to the line of scrimmage players. You see him talking to the back end guys, making the checks, making the calls. So happy with, with everything we've seen so far in his, in his training camp performance. We always talk about year one to year two jump, and you have to be excited about Zach Cunningham in that context because he looked pretty good as a rookie, so here he goes into his next season. Another highly productive player. If you look at how he played at, at Vanderbilt, very much the same here. Like one of the leading tacklers in the SEC while he was there, and now as you watch every practice, he's around the ball all the time. Good key, key and diagnose has good read and reactability. He has good instincts. He's a three-down player. He's a long player as well. You feel his length in coverage. So he has the ability to play man. He has the ability to play zone. But it, but he's very quick to key and diagnose plays, I think, which gives, which gives him an advantage to get to the ball. He's around the ball a lot here in training camp. Yeah, there's no – Zach is fun to watch. I, sometimes watching Zach, it almost feels like he makes a play and he stands up and you go, he doesn't even realize what he's done. It feels like there's some – untapped potential with him even the other rookie last year now in his second year and Brian I'll ask you this two-part question and I don't know maybe you can answer number one maybe it's sort of rhetorical but I was so surprised when Dylan Cole wasn't drafted why in your mind do you think he was not drafted and why do you think he was pretty successful in his rookie year here well I think everything is uh, situational and circumstantial so I, I mean I, I can sit here today and say we had guys uh, with draftable grades that went undrafted in this year's draft. Yeah, that course. just happens sometimes. Yeah. You, you could have a fourth, fifth, sixth-round grade on a player, and somehow, some way, when you know, that team's turn comes, they just they go through the process. They took an offensive lineman instead. They took a tight end. They took a running back. great thing about Dylan is his versatility. So if you're asking a guy to be a key backup player on the inside, you know he can play either or position. He can play the strong inside linebacker position, the weak inside linebacker position. And he can play all three downs. He's not just a two-down performer or a two-down thumper. Um, the other thing he brings great value to is on special teams. So his versatility for the roster, like when and if adversity strikes and we have to plug him into a role, we feel like he can back up either or position, do it on all three downs, and also help Brad Seeley on fourth down. Brian Whitney's back. What are you seeing so far? Very, very promising camp. Uh, one thing I can say about Whitney's, Whitney is he is a great professional. And what I mean by that is that guy prepares to play football. So behind the scenes, what people may or may not know about Whitney is his work ethic is great. He's a very good teammate. He puts the time in. He takes care of his body. He loves football. He's a good practice player. So when you get to Sundays, I think his performance on Sundays are consistent because of all the things that Whitney does from Monday to Saturday. Mm. I don't know if we talked about Devion Clowney, Brian, in the defensive line or no, outside linebackers because <laughs> we sort of never know which one he's supposed to be from time to time. But the fact that he can do all of those different things makes him somewhat special compared to other players in the league. 
how important is it for a guy like that to be able to play as many spots as Jadeveon does? Yeah, it's a great benefit for our defensive game planning in regards to where he can play uh, uh, in a three-point stance. He can play in a two-point stance. Two-point stance. He can play off the edge, or we can bump him down inside. And it's the versatility in the sub-package fronts that really gives us a great advantage because whether we want to have him on the right or the left, he can do that. Whether we want to keep him outside off the edge or bump him down in over a guard, in our dime fronts, we can be creative with him in terms of uh, where we want to bring him. So that creates a lot of flexibility for, for our defensive game plan. All right, well, let's talk about some of the other guys. Brennan Scarlett, who burst out of the scene a couple of years ago in the preseason, and what are you looking for from him this year? Brennan's had a very good offseason, uh, a, lot, a lot of strength development, a lot of, a lot of uh, core strength development. He's had a very good offseason with Luke Richardson and his staff there. A good rotational player for us. Uh, when and if adversity strikes, we feel confident that our, our depth has improved with uh, Brennan's development and, and Brennan's improvement. Brennan's also a good special teams player, so we're happy that, that, that he bring, brings that value as well. But he's another guy that can play left or right, either or, and when and if he has to go in and play more snaps than a traditional backup, we feel confident that the depth is good there. Brian, two young guys that you drafted late in the draft uh, can play outside linebacker. Love for you to expand on them. Duke Edgefor from out of Wake Forest and also Peter Kellenbaye from Stanford. What do you feel like you have with those two young guys? So Duke uh, Edgefor is our fourth uh, or sixth round pick uh, out of Wake Forest. Uh, was dealing with an, an injury when we drafted him, so he spent this past uh, spring and summer rehab, and he's ready to go. He's cleared. He's ready to go. He's got some promise and potential as a rotational guy on the outside and the edge to, to be uh, potentially a, a situational sub-rush guy. Uh, and bringing him along in, in the run support element of it. Um, also, for those that don't know, he's a local kid. He's a Houston mm-hmm. kid. Ailey Taylor. Yep, so so unique cir- circumstance for him and his family. And uh, with Peter, uh, he, Peter was our, our sixth-round pick from Stanford. Uh, a lot like Duke, just a, a developmental edge player. Gives you some flexibility to play off the edge. You know, one thing about Peter that he offers is he, he had some drop ability where we mm-hmm. think he, he has some rush potential. Um, but he's not always uh, just a, a one-dimensional guy going forward. Peter offers some skill and, and transitional skill set to, to drop into coverage and to be pretty, pretty good at it. So with both of those guys, we feel like we upgraded the depth, the rotation, uh, the developmental upside at those positions, whereas we have our frontline guys. We have a good rotational backup value with, uh, with Scarlett, and then we have two young guys that we have promise and potential for at the outside linebacker position. This is your final morning visit with us, and we're going to talk special teams a little bit now, but Brian Peters plays into both roles, obviously, linebacker and special teams. He's been outstanding in that category. What about him? So Brian is a, uh, is a valued backup because, uh, number one, playing inside linebacker uh, for us in our defense you have to have fourth down value um, to, to, to really get the 46-man game day jersey. Brian brings that for us, obviously. He's six foot three. He's 235, 240 pounds. He's a four-six guy. He runs well. He has athleticism to the unit. Um, but fourth down will be critically important to, to what we're counting on for Brian. And then anything he can give us on defense will be great. Um, but the height, weight, speed factor. And that always will translate, we, we think, to the fourth down performance. And Brian, for us so far, has been, been a, a critical part of that. Brian, it feels like Shane Leckler can play forever. He can punt forever. He looks you know, as good as ever, seemingly. Having a weapon like that, how important is that for Brad Seeley and his group? Very. Uh, you know, we talk about, Bill and I often talk about the importance of field position, uh, hidden yardage in the game. And the punting game, obviously, is a critically important uh, element to that. We've also spent a lot of time this offseason trying to improve our special teams coverage units. And that goes hand-in-hand hand with, with who the punter is. 
Um, one thing I've learned in my, my scouting experiences as I've gotten older in this business is the the importance of situational punts. It's not just about booming the ball and the hang time, but the ability to place it, to strategically loft it, uh, where you are in the field from the 50, coming out from the goal line, and the ability to place the punt so that it matches, uh, uh, matches and meshes with the coverage plan. And Shane is skilled at that, and that's something I've been impressed with so far uh, the more I've evaluated Shane. Kaimi Fairbairn, you got the skinny goalposts out here, which is uh, kind of like putting the donut on the bat or something like that. <laughs> what right. about that approach? The league goalposts? Yeah. Yeah, young, young, promising prospect at, at, at the kicker position. Uh, you know, a lot of upside. Um, you know, we're pleased that we have him. We think he's got a bright future. He's got good leg, leg strength. The other thing I would say about uh, Kaimi is uh, his ability to place the ball on kickoffs. It's, it's, a, it's a good strength of his. He's got mm-hmm. good ball control. So much like I just talked about with Shane, it's his ability to place the ball to the left, place the ball to the right, and, and match it with the, the coverage plan, mm-hmm. strategically match it with the coverage plan. So he's got good ball control in that regard. And when and if you need him to just boom it, he's got enough leg, leg strength to do that as well. well. Brian, I know this is the last time we're meeting with you, so this is not special teams for linebackers. But I'm so intrigued about the training camp process. This is now the second year where you're going from 90 to 53 instead of having that kind of pit stop at 75. I know there's the one side of it of getting your team to the 53, but the process of having, what, 37 players times 32 available on the waiver wire right at the end, of, how chaotic a process is that and how difficult of a weekend is that for you and your staff to go through all of those players all at once as opposed to having that one pit stop at 75 before you get to 53. So the first thing I think about is uh, as we go went from uh, just 90 going to 53 is we get more time to, to evaluate our own players, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I really think about the 46 man in that regard, the game day roster, because now we have more time perhaps to evaluate fourth down players and just big picture global vision right now. So we're talking about a 46-man roster. The big skill and the skill players who offer special teams value for us, they have a very good chance of earning a game day jersey more so than just being a 47 to 53-man guy. So the guys that bring fourth down value, we think we'll get more evaluative time with. But as it relates to the, the, the scouting process uh, through the preseason, we put a lot of time and a lot of preparation into strategically planning how we're coveraging, covering the league. Uh, our scouts, Matt Bazigan, our director of player personnel, James Lifford, our college director, Rob Kissel, our pro scouting director. We've globally set a plan in place to evaluate all the rosters in the National Football League as it relates to any upgrades we could identify, any positions of need we think that could help us. But that plan has already started in place way back in May and June post-draft so that we will be ready for when the 53-man cut comes down. Brian, we really appreciate these visits, and I know the listeners do too, getting all the insight and information on these players. So thank you very much for joining us during the training camp shows. You're welcome. There's the general manager of your Houston Texans, Brian Gain, talking about linebackers, special teams, and a little bit about the rain they were dealing with this morning. And we're going to get all those Brian Gain conversations on a special Brian Gain Plan podcast for you that you will be sampling all season long. How about that? Speaking of sampling Texans content, what about HoustonTexans.com? We've got great rain footage for you from today. We've got Bill O'Brien. We have Kid Reporter. We have countless articles, all sorts of information. The Harris Hurry Up, check it out. Texans Training Camp Today, a mini TV show that you can check out to get you caught up with the day's activities at camp. And we'll continue with all of that throughout the weekend. So be sure to log on to the app or to HoustonTexans.com and stay in touch with what is happening with your team here at the Greenbrier 
Tomorrow night, 11 o'clock, ABC 13, Texans in the Community Special. And then Sunday night at 11 on ABC 13, we'll have the Training Camp Special. That's going to be good. Some exclusive footage from the Greenbrier. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, Joseph, for producing. Have a great night, great weekend, and go Texans.